<laughs> what, well, what um, about you? Yeah, well, I am competitive across 5K all the way up to the marathon. So pretty much the 5K, 10K half and the full, like what I enjoy and what I am probably the best at, I would say is probably more on that 10K half marathon distances. I always kind of thought that the marathon was like, the race for me and then I, the more I trained and raced marathons the better I got at the shorter stuff as well so I think um, I enjoy the marathon the most because it's the biggest challenge like I really love the fact that it's such a long race but you still have to run fast um, but the the, st the shorter stuff definitely helps with the longer stuff and the longer stuff helps with the shorter stuff so um, yeah anything above 5k I enjoy I think one day I'll look at doing like ultras and push it out a bit and go on some like adventure races but um I'm definitely keen to keep trying to bring that marathon PB down so hoping to run yeah a few more coming up over the next year or two what's your personal best in the marathon uh I've run 238 nice. so yeah it's <laughs> it's good but I I've been I know for a fact like I've been in shape to run a lot faster I just haven't had the race to do it so it's one of those things with the marathon you really only get you know one or two opportunities a year to actually race well and I know I've been in the shape I would say low 230s if not sub 230 shape and I just didn't execute it on race day which really sucked and um yeah frustrating but I guess that's the marathon for you and hopefully time will come to be able to run those sorts of times do you have an ideal course you would love to try to pb at well my goal for this year was to get over to chicago um and i still have time to do that i've just had a bit of a rough start to the year with sickness so i'm like hoping that in the next month or so i can get to back into some consistency and work towards chicago i know it's a pretty flat fast race and you know, there'll be good, some good competition there. So I'd love to get over there and run a quick marathon. I think Berlin's the other one I'd really love to do because again, it's nice and flat and fast. There are a couple of fast marathons down on the side of the world, but not too many. So um, I think it's also exciting, like going offshore and running some of the majors, which that's kind of the goal. So hopefully we'll get there. Are there any good marathon courses out in your neck of the woods? Yeah, I'd say the two fastest marathons down here would be Gold Coast Marathon, which is in July, which is pretty much flat, like an out and back course. Mm -hmm. And then Mel Melbourne Marathon, which is the Nike Marathon, and that's held in October. There are a couple of climbs throughout that race, but they do tend to get quite a good group of um, athletes that turn up. So some good competition. Are you currently planning for those marathons this year or are your eyes set on Chicago? I have my eyes set on Chicago. I've run Mel Melbourne Marathon now, I think two or three, uh, three times. So I don't really want to run that course again. You can run that course with your eyes closed. Yeah, I think I'll be working a lot because it's a Nike Marathon. I have quite a lot to do with it, which is awesome. It's great to get out there and support other people. But Chicago is the week after. So it's kind of nice. I can go on the Melbourne Marathon journey with everybody and then race offshore, hopefully, um, in Chicago. Actually, I'll just go ahead and knock out this intro real quick. Cool. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Stay for the Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Elijah. Joining me today, competitive elite athlete, Nike Pacific run coach, co-founder of Femi, Lydia Odenwell. So how's your day going? You just got back from training this morning? 
Yeah, it's um, it's about 8.30 in the morning over here and I have been out for a run this morning. It is getting pretty cold down here in Australia, so just trying to warm up by getting out early <laughs> and going for a bit of a run. But yeah, it's um, it's good. It's Sunday morning. Sundays are always a good start with a run. What does your training program look like? Uh, at the moment, my training has been pretty chill because I've been quite sick, so I'm just coming back from sickness. But when I'm building towards a marathon, yeah, I, I run pretty big Ks for a female. Like I, I get up to about 160 to 170K a week, which is about just over 100 miles a week. Um, and that's when I'm like wow. in full training. So that's kind of split between maybe nine to 10 runs a week. Um, so I'll be doubling on most days. And that kind of includes like one speed session, one like super long run, and then the rest are just kind of like chill, easy running. So um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of running. Um, and, and then alongside the running, I get into the gym two or three times a week. And I'm definitely one of those athletes. If I miss the gym, then my body will fall to pieces. So <laughs> I'm spending a lot of time lifting pretty some pretty heavy weights when I am in full training, but I enjoy it. I, I like feeling strong. Do you come up with your own training program or are you as a coach, do you also have a coach that helps you out? Yeah, that's interesting. I'm like kind of in that transition period at the moment. I've kind of had a coach my entire running career, but I'm at a point now where I'm at an age where I feel like I can coach myself. I think any earlier than now, I probably would have fallen to a place where I would have overtrained myself and over coached myself because I just love training really hard. But I'm definitely at a point in my life where I do, well, I hope I like to think I make some smart decisions around my training. Um, and so I've kind of been on and off with my coach for the last couple of years, but I'm, I'm pretty confident going forward that I will be coaching myself. Um, but I do what my best friend and co-founder of my company, um, we're going to work together and just check in on each other, making sure we don't do too much because you can fall into a place of overtraining when you are coaching yourself pretty easy. Are you one of those athletes that's very fluid with their training program or is it, this is what I'm doing today. I have to do it no matter what. I think over time I've become a lot more flexible. I think probably five, 10 years ago, I was pretty rigid and I would just do everything that's on the program to a T. Mm -hmm. But now understanding like how important holistic training is and how important it is to listen to your body and make the decisions, make the right decisions for your body at, on each day. Um, is so important to get the get the right amount of training out of yourself so I'm a lot more fluid now like I definitely listen to my body if if I'm not feeling good or um, my body's not in the right position to do a tough session I will push it out a few days or skip a rep or pull back the mileage or whatever um, but it's taken a long time and a lot of mistakes to get to this point you live and you learn right you live and you learn <laughs> Let's take a step back and walk me through you growing up. Have you always been a runner? Yeah, I started running really young. My mom was always pretty big on running and she wasn't really competitive, but she just runs, you know, to make herself feel good and um, get those endorphins and look after her mental health. And I think um, she definitely showed me that when I was pretty young as well. So I started running competitively um, at like seven years old. I was going along to like athletics clubs and just getting on the grass track and having fun and socializing more than anything um, but as a young kid I pretty much just loved sport I loved movement I danced a lot I did ballet for about 10 years wow. um, yeah which is 
crazy to think now because I can't even touch my toes. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I loved dancing. Um, but I really only started taking running, running a lot more seriously in my later teens or through high school from the ages of about 12 to 16, 17. I ran competitively for my school, but it was all about just going out and having a good time. My coach was amazing. I had a female coach through school and she really pushed the fact that we should just really just enjoy ourselves and like focus on your passion for your sport before anything else. Like she really ingrained in me that nobody remembers a young athlete. So don't overtrain and don't push yourself too hard at in those teenage years. So I definitely um, held myself back and she definitely held me back a lot through high school and um, it wasn't until I left high school and I actually went over to America on an athletic scholarship to a Texas to a university called Lamar University in Beaumont wow. and yeah I was 17 at the time it was the first time I'd left home and I moved to the other side of the world and I'd come from a high school with this running coach who was just really supportive on the fact that she wanted me to be having fun and I went into the NCAA system which I'm sure you're aware of is pretty serious it's pretty intense um, and a very competitive and the environment that I walked into at Lamar just probably wasn't the right environment for me at that age I just really was super naive and unaware of how serious it was going to be um, and I was so young so I didn't last very long there. I think I was at Lamar for about six weeks when I decided I wanted to go back home to New Zealand. Um, I also got quite sick at the time and I just like wanted to be at home. So the university was super supportive in that they said, you know, if you need to go home, go home and we'll always have our arms open to you come back. Um, so I actually went back to New Zealand and I quit running and I quit the sport. I think I fell into a period of just being that like teenage girl who didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I was pretty lost. I was trying to find myself and I fell into, you know, pretty heavy drinking and drugs and not a great place in my life where I just lost my path really. Um, I suffered with my mental health pretty bad. I fell into what I would, have, would say was pretty severe depression and anxiety. And I just, yeah, I stopped running and um, I that, that lasted, I would say, about 18 months. And I think through that period, it really became pretty evident to me how important movement and exercise was for my mental health. And it really was running that got me back on the right path because I knew how good I did feel when I exercised and how good running made me feel mentally. It gave me that sense of purpose and clarity that I needed. And it really was running that pulled me back into the right path. So yeah, after about 18 months of struggling, I slowly got fit again. It took a long time and um, it was it was definitely tough. There were moments where I'd come and try and for try it for a few weeks and I'd lose myself again, then do it again. And I'm really glad I went through that because it taught me so much about myself and it taught me how hard it is, you know, starting off from nothing again. And as a coach, I think that's really important to be able to understand how difficult that can be. Um, but within about six months of being back running, I uh, I think it was about six to eight months, I won my first national junior title. And to me, that just showed like, if you put in the work and you put in the effort and you commit to something, the results will come, you know. And, and then from there on out, I was pretty much like, this is this is me for the rest of my life like I'm going to be running forever now I know I need this and the 
the national titles and the medals and the results are awesome. But the greatest thing that running gives me is this like, you know, strong mental health. And yeah, I just feel so much more confident in who I am when I am exercising. And um, yeah, the results were just the cherry on top. So by about the age of 20, I was like pretty serious into running. And then I I spent between then and now, which is 12 years, um, yeah, running and enjoying it and always focusing on why I'm doing it, which is just because it makes me feel good. And then um, turning up to start lines and winning races and stuff is just like something that is nice as well. But I will always run no matter what the results are. Kind of have to love what you do, you know? Definitely. One thing that stood out to me, building from scratch. I don't think there's a greater lesson that can be learned from building something from scratch or starting over. That is one of the greatest opportunities you can ever have. I think like when you're starting from scratch, you have so much room to grow, you know, when you're already fit and you're already at the top or like you have so, I have so much expectation on yourself to be like running specific times, but you also, it's really hard to see the progress. Whereas when you're starting at the, right at the start, you see the progress so quickly and like, that's what is so motivating. And then you also have no expectations. I think that's really important when you start out is just having no expectations and just seeing where the journey takes you. And I think that's the beauty in it. And yeah, although it can be really challenging and tough, I think seeing those like little step-by-step step, that progress is just like so satisfying. That's, I, that's what I miss when you're already fit and like you're for like, you're already there. It's hard to see the progression. At what point did you know that you wanted to go all into running when you hung up the ballet shoes? That's a really good question because I was obsessed with ballet. Like from the ages of three, to about 13, 14, I was like, all I wanted to do was be a professional ballerina. And ballet, as you probably can imagine, is a pretty serious sport. And it's not, uh, I wouldn't say it's the healthiest sport for people to do, but I was so just like driven to succeed in dance. And I just kind of saw my entire future being ballet. And it was probably about the ages of 12, I would say, where I met this woman who ended up being my running coach through high school. And she, I think, saw the potential in me as a young girl in running. I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was the best runner, but she could see how much I loved it. And she was pretty much like, let me coach you and take you under my wing and allow you to progress the way that a young female athlete should be progressing without getting pushed too hard focus on that love for the sport and and she was very much like I would say holistic about her approach to training whereas ballet was my ballet teacher was pretty much like if you want to dance that is all you can do like this is a really serious sport it's like all you have to go all in or you're never going to succeed so I kind of I think I had these two different um, loves running and ballet and running was super serious and uh, sorry ballet was super serious and running was more about fun and at that age I think one of the most important thing for young girls to be doing is like actually enjoying movement and sport because it is something that I would love for women to, and men but women to be doing you know for the rest of their lives so I think I just fell into that of like wow running makes me feel better ballet is super serious not great for my body and probably not great for my mental health because it's such a body image focused sport um 
my ballet teacher ended up saying to me, like, if you want to run, you can't do ballet. And when she said that to me, that was pretty much the moment I was like, wow, I'm going to choose running because it makes me feel better. <laughs> but yeah, wow. run, ballet taught me a lot. Ballet taught me so mm. much that I still um, am super thankful for today. You know, like you have to be so dedicated to that sport to be good at it. You have to be driven. You have to be structured. You have to follow routine. You see the progression. Like there were so many things in dance that I still carry with me through today. And I think it's probably a big part of why I became a successful runner is because of what I'd learned at such a young age through dancing. So I'll always be thankful for that. But I just, yeah, I wish I could still touch my toes. <laughs> oh, that's, that's hilarious. I used to be a competitive martial artist. That was my foundation sport. Similar to dancing, I would say martial arts taught me a great deal of discipline. I competed in katas, which is forms. And to put it into perspective, it's kind of like a routine, like dance, very choreographed. By no means am I a dancer, but there are parallels to the sports, I would say. Tying it back into discipline definitely taught me a lot at a young age uh, as an athlete, as a competitive athlete. Um, and then similar to you, uh, early teens, 12, 13, 14 years old is when uh, I stopped competing in martial arts and pursued American football. Um, my story is a little, I guess, oh, as a, I mean, I stopped because I wanted something new. Um, and I, I, I love football. So I think diving into for you diving into running because you love the sport. I dove headfirst into football because I loved, I just loved playing football. Um, and at the time competing both in martial arts and in football, I reached a point uh, in my martial arts career at a young age where I won a few world titles. I got inducted into the Texas Hall of Fame. Um, I was already a black belt, second degree black belt. So I kind of felt like I achieved all that I wanted to. Um, and there wasn't much more I could learn in martial arts for me. And then it was a very seamless transition to go into football because, you know, going into middle school, going into high school, and um, it was like a transition period in anyone's life uh, as an early teen. And so uh, starting a new chapter, wanted to dive headfirst into football. In Texas, by the way, so I want to talk about how that recruitment process was for you. How does one get from New Zealand all the way to the U.S. in the South? in Texas. Yeah, so a lot of Kiwis and Australians actually head over to the States for university on scholarship programs. Mm -hmm. So um, it's funny because I wasn't winning national titles at school. I think that I think the closest I got to a national title was third in my last year at high school on the road race, which is a 3K road uh, race. Um, but other than that, I hadn't won, won any national medals. So it's not like I was like this big name down in New Zealand at the time. <laughs> what distances were you running in high school? Yeah, 1500s and 3Ks were pretty okay. much my thing. Yeah. But um, like in the 1500, I think maybe I got top five one year, but like I was definitely not the best of the best because my coach just didn't push me to be the best of the best, which I'm so thankful for. Um, but so it was quite a random thing that I was offered a scholarship. I did know another girl who had gone from my high school over to Lamar University. So we had a bit of a connection to that university. So she was recruiting young girls to come over to Lamar University. 
And she pretty much put the scholarship in front of me. And at the time I was pretty unaware of the NCAA system and other universities that I potentially could have gone to. And so when I was given the scholarship program to go to Texas, you know, at my age when I wasn't even really that good, um, it was pretty amazing. So I just grabbed it with both hands and I was like, yep, I'm going. Um, but yeah, like I said, I was pretty young. I just wasn't really um, ready for that sort of experience. And it was awesome to go there and open my eyes up to the, I guess, real world of running, but it freaked me out. And it was probably one of the reasons why I stopped the sport for such a long period of time. I thought maybe that competitive atmosphere wasn't really built for me. Um, so it took a while to come back and realize that um, you can actually embrace that competitive atmosphere and not be intimidated by it, but you just probably need the right support around you to do so. Did I hear you right that you went to college at 17? Yes. Yeah, nice. correct. I, <laughs> I was a year younger than everyone else in my, um, my year at school. So okay. I have two older sisters and I think growing up with two older sisters, I was pretty competitive with them. Um, and so I think I started school a year earlier or I was put up when I was really young. I'm not quite sure how it went, but I was, I was pretty young for my year at school. Yeah. <laughs> Are your sisters also dancers, runners, athletes? Uh, no, <laughs> my sisters are very different to me. I have my oldest sister. She doesn't really enjoy exercise um, at all. She never, oh, she did a bit of sport when she was growing up, but she kind of enjoys more going to raves and parties and loves dance music. Um, and then we have a middle sister who is pretty mentally ill. She suffers from addiction issues and she's kind of like being um, in and out of hospitals and yeah, has quite severe mental health issues, which um, has been a challenge throughout my entire life but I think a big part of why I run is also the struggle that I've seen her go through and I do think that running kind of saved me in a way and sport saved me in a way so um, it's been challenging seeing her because I, all I want for her is to get healthy through exercise but uh, it's unfortunately probably past that point now. Sorry to hear that. I'm sure that has been quite challenging. As you mentioned, it is a reason why you run, and it's a part of your story why running and sports are important to you. Sure, mental health as part of a holistic training program is a topic of conversation we can dive into, but first, let's talk about your experience at Lamar. Not only with the NCAA and running at the college level, how was your experience with the U.S. and the culture in the South? I'm going to be completely honest. It, it was tough. Like it was a shock because I was so young. I had done a bit of travel, but not a lot. I hadn't been to America before. And I think the thing that shocked me the most was the racism. Like I just had never seen anything quite like it um, because in New Zealand, we definitely have indigenous people and we all kind of like work together. We're, I feel like we're all in one. We embrace each other. Um, we are like one society, although the racism isn't great in New Zealand, it's definitely a lot better than I've seen it in other places in the world. And when I went to Lamar University, I just remember this huge barrier between the white people and the black people. And it honestly just shocked me, like it made me feel super uncomfortable. Um, when I turned up to the university, this probably isn't painting the university in a great way, but they said to me, like, you you won't be friends with the black people like and that's how it is and I was just like 
pardon, like, uh, yeah, it just shocked me. And going into the dining hall and all the white people would sit on one side and all the black people would sit on the other. It's something that I can like still see to this day and remember that feeling of just being completely like mind blown that something like that still exists in this world. And um, that was a huge, huge shock for me. And um, I just didn't really know probably how to deal with it. It's probably one of the reasons I ended up leaving was because I just didn't really know how to process that, you know, um, barrier between people. And I just always saw people as, I don't care like what color your skin is or what size you are, what you look like or your ethnicity or your background or how much money you make, like we're all people, you know? Um, so that shocked me for sure. Um, but yeah, I think there was so many like, great experiences through going to Lamar as well like things the university in New Zealand the system in New Zealand is so different to an American university um you know just like having the 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 support system over there and living on campus and that was all amazing and going to basketball games and the support that people have for each other through sport was just like incredible um and something that I wish the rest of the world could kind of feel that energy but uh, yeah, it was it was cool. It was just like a huge shock to the system as a 17 year old who just yeah. kind of left high school. I can imagine. Did you know many people when you went to Lamar? Uh, you mentioned you had a few people from back home that went there or were you just going there not really knowing anyone? Yeah, I didn't really know anyone. I knew one girl that was on the team from New Zealand. But other than that, no, I didn't okay. know anybody. So wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a big move. Now I look back, I'm like, what, what was I thinking? But um, at the time, it felt like it felt like it was the right thing to do. Were you two pretty close? Did y'all have a good support system? Um, I wasn't that like super close with her. She was probably about five years older than me. So we didn't like grow up together. Um, okay. okay, okay. Yeah, so the support system wasn't like great, to be honest. I think mm -hmm. a lot of it, I did feel like I was alone through a lot. But, you know, when you're in that system, it's all about your athletic ability and how hard you wanted to work and how much you could achieve on the track. And um, to me, I felt like if, yeah, I felt like you just had to perform and you weren't really necessarily a person. You were just like an athlete to be there to get points for the school. And I think personally, I do think there are a lot of issues with the NCAA system in that regards, and especially in track and field, and more and more young girls are speaking out about their experiences going through that system and how much it just felt like that, you know, you're just a number and you need to do whatever it takes to succeed, even putting your own health on the line, um, unfortunately. But I also know people who have had an incredible experience going through NCAA system and walking away you know, with amazing achievements and, you know, this great journey where they've been able to progress as athletes and now running really well. So it really depends on the person. It depends on the coach. It depends on the school. There's so many things you need to take into account. But for me, it just wasn't the right thing at that time. From my experience playing football, the higher up you go, it feels less and less like a hobby or a passion and more and more like a job because mm -hmm. you have to perform. When you add other factors like you moving across the world, having that culture shock, mm -hmm. I can only imagine how wild that was for a 17-year-old you. Yeah, it was. It was wild. And I think I just remember this so vividly. We, um, you know, I've, 
I, like I was saying, I was all, I always ran because I enjoyed it and like it was fun and my coach was incredible at high school. And then I just remember this experience at Lamar where we went out for a run. I think it was a Sunday long run and it was a day after we'd had um, an indoor meet. And usually I'd just go out and go like go for a cruisy like hour, hour and a half or something. And I remember we ran, I think it was an hour and a half and we got to the end and our coach was crying because we hadn't run our long run fast enough. And I remember in that moment being like, what the heck? Like, why is she crying? This is way too serious. Like, shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't we just be recovering from our race? Um, that's when I think it probably hit me. And like, maybe this isn't the right wow. environment for me to be in right now. So what is the running atmosphere like back home? Walk me through the differences that you experienced from what previously you had grown up with to then moving to the U.S., yeah, I think there's definitely pros and cons to both. Like obviously being in America and being part of a team and being in the collegiate system, you have so much support, you know, like there is support all around you. You have amazing facilities. Your focus, your sole focus is to be running well and the people around you are going to do everything to help you to run well. Um, whereas back in New Zealand, you don't, run for your university you don't really have a team you're pretty much just running for yourself and you pay your own fees to run for a club there is no support around you so yeah. between the ages of about 20 and 30 maybe 28 before I left New Zealand I funded all my running myself I paid my coach I paid my club fees I had no support even when I was, you know, going on trips to represent my country um, to run for New Zealand, I had to fund my own trips to go and represent my country. It's that crazy. So you have no support from anybody really, but it comes down to you. And I think that is probably why I'm still running and still loving running is because I've never had to feel that pressure to be running for anybody else. You know, I'm not showing up to run results to impress anyone or, you know, as much as I love winning and making teams, I'm still literally at the end of the day, like going and running because I love it and I'm running for myself. And I think having that, not having that pressure on me from like coaches and teams and schools and universities to be like, you have to be running these times to, you know, get your scholarship paid for, or you, as a professional athlete, you have to be hitting these times to even make bank and get paid. Like I've always just run for myself, which has been really nice. And I train, that's why I think I love training so hard is because it just makes me feel good. And I get to root all those rewards because I know it's all off my own back. So as much as it sucks, like I definitely complain all the time about getting zero support as a runner. Um, it's also been like probably a huge part of my journey because I've always just had my own back. It's crazy in New Zealand, rugby is our main sport and rugby is like the biggest sport across the entire country. And it's pretty much just the men's mug rugby. They're making some moves for female rugby, which is awesome. But, you know, growing up in New Zealand, if you put, if you were a boy who played rugby and you represented your like suburb or your town, like, you would get way more support than myself who's representing my country for athletics. And that always kind of blew my mind because you'd see the rugby players out on the weekends, like partying and doing drugs and like, you know, sleeping around and you'd be like, I'd be going to bed and like 
working my ass off to do the sport I get nothing for except the rewards of like feeling good in training and winning races <laughs> but um that was really tough <laughs> wow yeah I mean talk about being self-sufficient that's a commitment that's insane yeah I think when I made the world team a couple of years ago the trip was going to cost me like five thousand dollars wow so I was like cool congratulations you've made your country's team like you're representing New Zealand here's your bill and it's like here's your bill for your uniform Dang. like your uniform bill is like a few hundred dollars you don't wow. even get your uniform given to you <laughs> the question is how did you do it how did you support yourself through representing your country thankfully I had very supportive parents when I was younger so they really supported my trips and when I was representing New Zealand and traveling I was just very very lucky and I I know how privileged I am to have that support from my parents um and then as I got older like all through university I was working um and I've yeah worked all through my 20s and I've tried to support myself as much as I can so yeah it's just all been off my own back really I started mm. working for Nike at the age of 22 um and they've obviously been an incredible support for me and they've always encouraged me to continue to compete and keep running even when I was working in the brand team um they were always there to like support me which is awesome and probably a big part of like what motivated me motivated me to continue to run competitively was having Nike behind me but um yeah it still all came out of my own pocket, <laughs> which just, I guess, motivated me to like want to run well because I was paying for it. <laughs> Did you have like odd jobs uh, being a waiter, bartender, or like, I don't know, working at the fish market? Like, did you do stuff <laughs> like that to support yourself? Uh, through university from the ages of about uh, 19 to maybe 22 I worked at a chemical lab so that was pretty <laughs> random yeah I would be packing chemicals um so I worked I pretty much worked my entire university degree while I was studying so I could pay like rent and I didn't want to get a big student loan like that was my fear so I really just wanted to work while I was studying so yeah I worked in a chemical lab which was um interesting, probably not the best thing for my lungs being exposed to all those chemicals, <laughs> but it kept me going. You got to do what you got to do sometimes. Fun fact about you is that you're a qualified geologist. So walk me through that. I guess that's what you studied at your university. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I just like I, when I went to university, I was um, enrolled in pre-med. So I was like, I'm going to go to uni and be a doctor purely because I wanted to make a lot of money. And that's all, all you focus on as at such a young age is like, what's going to make me bank? And um, mm. so I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become a doctor. So I went to university and my first semester, so I think it was the first six months of university, I was enrolled in all the pre-med um, papers, but I think I failed like almost all of them. <laughs> I think that I just had no idea how to study. I didn't realize how much I needed to like put time aside to like actually do the study. And I was working as well. So I just wasn't focused enough on pre-med and it was a very competitive, as you can imagine, degree. So everyone was like not willing to help each other. You're like, you were there for yourself. Um, so after the failed first semester, I realized that I probably don't want to do medicine and it wasn't the right thing for me to do. And so I was like, what is the funnest degree you can do? And um, my mum was a geography teacher and we always went on cool field trips. And so I spoke to a few people at university and I was like, what can I do when I'm outside and exploring and going on adventures? Uh, so I signed up to geology and I did this earth science degree 
which took me, I think three or I was similar to you where I was doing like summer school papers as well, trying to get it done as quick as I can. So I think my undergrad was about, grad was about two and a half years. And then I did my master's and I was doing my master's in volcanology. So the study of volcanoes. Uh, and that's when I started working for Nike as well. So once I kind of started work, started working for Nike and I like promotional sort of role, I decided that um, I was going to leave the volcanoes behind and uh, focus on Nike and what I could do with the brand team back in New Zealand. So that I didn't quite finish my master's. I think I got halfway through. So you never know. I might go back and finish it off one day. There you go. It's never too late. Never too late. So how did you get into Nike? Uh, yeah, this is crazy. I think uh, I really believe in things happen for you and like the universe is working for you and you just have to kind of chase opportunities when they come and when I won my first national title at the age of 1920, I was offered a position to be part of a training squad called Stride down in New Zealand, where it's three boys and three girls, and it was an academy as such. Um, and our main sponsor was Nike. And as a you know pretty young athlete in track and field, when I wasn't at all performing on the global stage, um, to be offered a contract with the biggest sports brand in the world, I was just like, shocked and um so I remember getting my first like um delivery of Nike product and it was just like 10 Christmases had come early like it was just insane I just remember like what is this even real pinch me moment but it was actually funny like if, if I would say about three months before I was given this Nike contract I went into a Nike store in Auckland in New Zealand and uh I said to the lady behind the desk oh like who can I talk to to get sponsored and this lady just like, <laughs> as you would, laughed in my face. <coughs> Sorry. And, um, you know, she's like, wow, like, bless you, but that's never going to happen. <laughs> like, the, no, people wow. don't just get sponsored, uh, which is so funny. But I'm very big on like manifesting and visualizing. And when you really believe you deserve something, it's going to come to you. So thankfully, like a few months later, this contract was put in front of me and I was just like, well, I, like, I want to go back to that lady and let her know I've been with the brand now for 12 years. <laughs> she would oh, laugh. Wow. Yeah. 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 So the um, contract was an athlete contract. So it was obviously, you know, just, uh, just um, all about my running and my racing, but I was always the athlete who put my hand up for everything. So Nike do events all the time. They were running Nike Run Club in Auckland and, and they always came out to all the Nike sponsored athletes and they were like, you know, we've got these events, who can turn up? Uh, we'd love an athlete to be involved. Anyone can put their hand up and I put my hand up for everything. Like I would turn up to every single thing that they asked of me. And I think they saw that um, and they saw my eagerness, my keenness and, and also my love for working with the community. Like I always have enjoyed being involved in the community. So a couple of years after I'd been on an athlete contract, they said to me, we've got this promotional role. It's like taking running shoes out to running events, getting shoes on feet, just talking to runners about running. Like, do you pretty much, do you want the job? And I was like, absolutely. Like, I want to leave that chemical lab, <laughs> get me out of there. So um, I took that role as a promotional role. And then within about 12 months of running that promotional role, I realized that like, I just absolutely loved what Nike stood for. I was obsessed with the brand. I loved the opportunities they were giving me. I was like able to travel quite a bit with the brand and 
that just opened my eyes up to like what else is out there other than rocks and geology and um and so there that's pretty much where I was and then from there I said to myself I'm going to be a Nike brand manager in five years like that's my goal and that's what I worked towards and then five years later I was the brand manager of New Zealand and I was able to work for the brand um in a pretty big capacity down there and um at the same time alongside working as a brand manager I was um training for marathons and I was also training for a boxing fight which uh wait yeah. wait 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 <laughs> wait 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 uh okay let's sidebar now boxing walk me through this you're training for a boxing match the ballet dancer now boxer tell me about that story. well there is apparently something in it if you know how to dance you know how to box and move your feet greatly mm. Mm. but um I it was about 2015 and 2016 I'd run a couple of marathons I'd been pretty heavy training for running for a couple of years at that point um and I kind of go through these waves where I'm like you know what I need to do something different just so I can continue my love for running. I think if I keep on this path, there will be a day where I like wake up and I hate it and I never want that. So I'm going to do something different. And at the time I kind of started going to the gym and going to these like boxing classes, like fitness classes. They were not really boxing at all, but it was just going there and punching a bag for a little bit. Um, and I've really enjoyed it. Like I really found this like high from boxing that I had never felt in running because you're pushing your body so intensely at the time and and um the gym that I was training at put out a request for people if they wanted to join like a corporate boxing fight um to raise money for cure kids which is a foundation that looks after sick children in New Zealand and so I just said you know like I'm just going to put the competitive yeah competitive running on hold for a little bit and I pretty much trained for six months for this corporate fight and my coach as it was incredible he was like one of the leading coaches of like the, some of the national girls in New Zealand and he really took me really seriously and he knew that I was taking it really seriously and we trained our asses off for six months uh, there was a point where I was going into the gym three times a day to train and it was pretty intense, but I just like loved it. It was so fun. Um, scary. I really love a challenge. I love putting myself in a position where I'm like shit scared. And I just really enjoyed that sparring. Like I was sparring against girls who were probably 30 kilos heavier than me and just like very experienced. And I would walk out of the gym with black eyes on the regular, um, but it was just so great. And then we raised, I think I personally raised maybe $10,000 for Cure Kids and and was able to do the fight. And it was an incredible experience. And I think if I wasn't running and I didn't love running so much, I would have probably continued boxing, but it was too hard to do both. I think um, what boxing showed me was probably how easy running training is. Uh, boxing like is, you know, you're working at a such an intense level every single time you step foot in the gym. And Although I really loved it and it opened my eyes up to how hard I can push myself, it really screwed my hormonal health and it really messed with my body. And it took me down this path of definitely to why I'm doing what I'm doing now with Femi because I ended up falling into a state of relative energy deficiency syndrome, uh, which is one side effect of what we call red S is losing your menstrual cycle and having hormonal dysfunction. 
and from the intense training from boxing and not recovering enough and definitely not fueling myself correctly, I, um, I fell into this yeah, path of low energy availability and lost my period for about nine months. So although the boxing was an amazing experience, it probably wasn't the best thing for my health. Mm-hmm. Real quick, now I'm curious about the boxing. Was it an exhibition match or was there a winner? And if so, were you the one uh, <laughs> at the end of the fight? Uh, there was a winner. Uh, my, um, I actually, well, I wouldn't say knocked my opponent out, but the, wow. towel got thro- <laughs> the towel got thrown in in the second round. So after six months of really intense training, I think we fought for maybe like three minutes and the fight was over and I was really gutted because I really just wanted to keep fighting. But yeah, the towel got thrown in. So I won, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, it was more about raising the money more than anything, um, but it was nice to get the win. <laughs> I would love to see that fight. If you have a video, please. <laughs> it's share. on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna look that up right now. That's so <laughs> cool. That's so cool. All right. So back into your Nike experience, you had an athlete contract, went into the promotional role, and then now you're working for a brand. You're training for the marathon. You went into boxing. You paused running. How did you get back into running after boxing? Yeah. So I was. Um... Through that boxing experience, I was obviously training really hard for boxing. I was still trying to run. Um, and then I was working this like very intense corporate job. Like, don't get me wrong. It was amazing. Like I loved working in the brand team for Nike, but it was very, it was a lot of pressure. Uh, and if it was my only thing, I think I would have been okay. But when I was trying to like do a million things, I would wake up in the morning, probably around five o'clock. I would train for an hour and a half. I would then go and coach my athletes. I would then go to the office and sit in my front of my computer from about, you know, a nine o'clock till five o'clock. Then I would go out and either go to a community run or I would go out and do my other run. And then I'd get home at like seven o'clock at night. And that was my day every day. And I just think I was just burning the candle at both ends. I was doing way too much. I was not letting myself recover. And on top of all of that, I was falling into fad diets because I was having some really bad self body image issues because I'd grown up in the sport where I'm being told I needed to be skinny to be fast and that I needed to lose weight to be fast. So um, I definitely suffered from um, disordered eating and I fell into a fad diet of the keto diet and I cut carbohydrates out of my diet for six months. And uh, all of these things were just the perfect concoction to shut my body down. And that's exactly what happened. My bodily function started shutting down. My endocrine system shut down. I completely lost my menstrual cycle and I just got my mental health suffered pretty severely as well. So um, it was that point I kind of realized, I remember waking up one day and just looking in the mirror and being like, damn, like I look like shit. Like I, I do not, I'm not this thriving 25 or 26 year old female like I'm doing way too much I need to like something's got to give so I ended up going to work that day and quitting my job at Nike and saying you know like I just can't do this Um, it's too much pressure for me right now and um and went home and then I'm not kidding you the next day I woke up very sick and I ended up in hospital um and my body just completely gave up. So 
I just was at a point, and I think a lot of women especially feel this need to be proving themselves 24-7 and doing 100 things at once and showing, like, that we deserve this, like, I don't know, the self-worth that we feel we need validation from other people to get it. And I was 100% one of those people where I was like, I can do this. I can prove myself. Like I'm working in this, you know, amazing job. Like I deserve to be here, but I'm going to, I have to show them that I deserve to be here every day. And yeah, it just wasn't very healthy for me at all. Um, and it wasn't until I was pretty severely sick that I realized that it, it was how bad it was. Um, yeah. So I ended up leaving the brand team, but thankfully the brand kept me on um, as the head run club coach. And I've been the run club coach ever since. And it's exactly the right job for me. I love working with the community. I love inspiring people to run. I love educating people on how to run. And um, yeah, I'm very, very grateful and fortunate to still be with the brand from that capacity. And they've given me some pretty incredible opportunities, but they've also been really patient with me working through, you know, these health issues and um, mental health issues and getting back to feeling good. So it's been a journey. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. A roller coaster, but like as hard as it was, especially when I was quite sick, I still don't regret it. Like I think all of those challenges um, that I went through and the journey that I've been on to be where I am now, like that is the reason why I do what I do now. And that is the reason why we started Femi and why we want to educate more women about female physiology and allow women to feel empowered in themselves is because I struggled with it myself for so long. And if I believed in myself when I was in my early 20s, I would have loved to have seen what I could have done from a running perspective. But, you know, I was being told, you're too fat, you need to lose weight. If you, were, if you lost X amount of kilos, you'd run X amount faster. I literally had male coaches grab my stomach and tell me, telling me that I needed to lose weight. I just had a lot of like uh, these challenges. That is so... Uh, common in our world of sport for for females so um, all of those challenges taught me so much about myself and about what I needed as an athlete and I'm just very grateful now that I know all of that and that going forward I'm going to embrace all of that to like hopefully thrive even more as an athlete but also inspire other women to feel empowered in themselves too. You left the brand side at Nike still a run coach walk me through how you founded Femi sounds mm -hmm. like you're pulling from a lot of life experiences yeah so it definitely um Femi has come about from the life experiences of myself and my co-founder Esther who's also my best friend so like growing up as an athlete as a female athlete as I was saying there's like um so much pressure on females to look a certain way and a lot of pressure comes from not just from ourselves when we're lining up on start lines and comparing ourselves to other girls, but they, it comes from the athletic world. It comes from coaches. It comes from trainers. It comes from people who are just super uneducated on the impact when we speak about body image and we speak about aesthetics of the female athlete that can have such a huge impact on the mental health of the athlete and how much they actually enjoy and want to be doing the sport. So through my 20s, I felt this huge pressure from my coaches, especially to lose weight and to look a certain way. And then that pressure became from external pressure to internal pressure on myself saying, you know, 
I don't look like that girl. I need to look like her to run as fast as her. So in order to do that, I need to lose weight and I need to starve myself and I need to train harder. And I just went through a pretty toxic period and a pretty bad relationship with my own body um, for about five or six years where I was just not making the right decisions to actually be feeling good about myself, but to just like literally look the way that I thought society wanted me to look in order to be the athlete I wanted to be. So um, when I had lost my menstrual cycle, it was almost like a celebration period. I think growing up as a female athlete, a lot of girls get told that like not having a period is a really good thing. You should celebrate it. If you have a period, it's not good. It's annoying. Um, things that you can do to get rid of your period is to train harder or to eat less. And so if you lost your cycle, it was almost like awesome. Like that means that I'm training really hard and I'm not eating too much and let's celebrate the fact I don't have a period. And all of that is wrong. That is so wrong. And I, up until the moment, well, actually, even when I lost my period, I thought it was really good. It wasn't until my body shut down and I started getting really sick and actually having to pull back in training for such a long period of time that I was like, hold on, like, something is not right here. Um, like when I had my period, I was able to run. Now I don't have my period. I can't run. Like what's, what's going on? So I actually started learning a lot more about hormonal health and female physiology. And my first introduction to female physiology was through a woman called Dr. Stacey Sims, who's a physiologist who's based in New Zealand, but she is American. She wrote a book called Raw, which is R-O-A-R. And um, it spoke all about female physiology and the importance of actually understanding how our bodies were working. And so for those who don't know, there's just a huge lack of education around female physiology. The sports research studies that go on are all based on men. So I think less between the years of 2014 and 2020, less than 6% of sports research studies have actually been done on women. So that's just shocking, you know, like 94% of the information we get given as athletes is come, has come from studies done on men. And you think about men and women's bodies, we are completely different. So it just shows like this, there's just not enough information out there around our bodies and how our bodies work and how actually important our menstrual, menstrual cycles are to be performing well and to know that we're like healthy. So when you are not fueling correctly and you might be doing it consciously or and you might be suffering it eating disorder or you might be doing it subconsciously and not actually understanding um, that you're not fueling correctly for the amount of work you're doing but under fueling your body um, your body goes into a state of low energy availability and when your body is in this low energy availability period your endocrine system is one of the first things that will shut down because for a female our bodily functions, majority of them, we need them to survive. We need our heart to function to survive. We need our lungs to function to survive. Our endocrine system, which produces our hormones, we can live without that system. So it is one of the first things that will shut down when you do, your body is not getting enough energy. So that is why, and that is the reason why we our periods either become irregular or we lose our periods completely. And so it is the first thing and the, the biggest sign to know that our bodies are not healthy and that we need to start giving our bodies more energy. And so when I started learning this information and knowing like throughout the menstrual cycle, it's not just 
one week of having a period and that's it like your hormones as a female are changing every single day your your estrogen is changing your progesterone levels are changing even your testosterone changes throughout your menstrual cycle the way that these hormones are changing allows you to feel really good on some days it allows you to have really a level of energy on some days and it allows you uh, to be able to store glucose better on Sundays so you can actually get that energy easier and then it also changes the way that you recover so when your progesterone levels are high you can't recover as well um, the reason we feel all these like premenstrual symptoms is why is because our progesterone is dropping off there is a reason to what the why we there is a reason to how we feel different on different days and understanding the menstrual cycle um, gives you the information to actually start playing into those changes in your hormones. So when I like learned the menstrual cycle, which, you know, this is me as a 28 year old female starting to learn about my body. Shocking. But so many women still don't even know this. Like we go through these different phases in our menstrual cycle and we can actually adapt our training to our menstrual cycle and the way that we um, train and the way that we eat and the way that we recover um, to get more out of our bodies. And I was just, my mind was blown when I started learning this information. So I got pretty deep into understanding hormonal health and I ended up doing um, Dr. Stacey Sims online courses. She does, um, she does one good woman and not small men. And she also does another one that is just on menopause. Um, so I did all of her courses and just learned so much more. And myself and my co-founder, Esther, we were both just like, well, this is awesome for us. Like I immediately started training to my menstrual cycle and adapting my training to it. But there is still a frustration that other women just don't know this, you know, and it's not even about performance. It's not even about like, how can we get better um, and run faster, learning more about our cycles? It's literally comes down to the confidence that you have in your body because you know what is happening so waking up one day and being like you know what I don't feel very good today I'm slightly like um anxious or I don't feel that happy in myself and then being like oh wait like my hormones are dropping off my progesterone levels just dropped off like my, my serotonin levels aren't as high as they normally are there's a reason for it and that is okay I can still feel confident in who I am so it comes down to like that confidence piece and being like now I know how my body is working. I am so much more confident in who I am. And I actually celebrate having a period. Like getting my period is a really good thing. It's a sign that I'm really healthy and that the training and how I'm eating is working for me. So let's like celebrate that fact versus like, I want to get rid of my cycle because it means I'm training really hard and I'm not eating enough. And that's awesome. Like that is not awesome at all. Um, so that is why we started Femming was like the frustration of not people just not knowing enough about their bodies. Um, and feeling so unconfident in themselves that then they start questioning themselves and going falling into fad diets and falling into overtraining and then you know upsetting their body even more bodies even more so we started Femi to empower more females around the world through education and and inspiration to train to their menstrual cycles and embrace their bodies walk me through your personalized approach to physical fitness and hormonal health so we kind of have like for the menstrual cycle, it's, it is hard because it is very personal to each woman. Everybody's menstrual cycle is different. Some women may be taking contraception, which means they don't have that natural menstrual cycle. And then some women might have hormonal health issues, might be suffering 
polycystic ovarian syndrome or endometriosis. So it can be really hard when we're working with athletes because everyone's so personal, Mm -hmm. but from a very like textbook perspective, like a 28 day cycle, which is the cycle that I have now, um, we go through these two major phases. So the first phase is called your follicular phase, which is what we kind of call your low hormone phase, where you start off both estrogen, progesterone are low and your estrogen rises and peaks towards ovulation around day 14. And then the back end phase, the last two weeks of our cycle is called our luteal phase, which is a high hormone phase where progesterone is the dominant hormone. That's our main female sex hormone. It rises and it peaks around day 24, 25 before then it drops off to then start your menstrual cycle all again. So through the follicular phase, that first phase of our cycle where our hormones are quite low, generally females should feel quite good, which is funny because a lot of women have always been told and taught that if you're on your period, you should take it easy, sit down on the couch, eat ice cream, don't train. But in actual fact, that period through your menstrual period and going into ovulation should be actually a time if you feel good and you don't have any too many symptoms, you should actually be able to train really hard during that phase. So for me personally, when I'm on my period and going into ovulation, I feel really good. And that's where I actually push my training a lot harder not having progesterone in our systems or quite low levels of progesterone, it allows us to actually recover a lot quicker. Estrogen rises throughout that phase and peaks around ovulation. Estrogen is anabolic, so it allows us to muscle build. It allows us to process energy a lot easier and it allows us to store energy um, glucose in our muscles a lot easier so we actually can get that energy and push it and use it in our training a lot easier. Um, So we can recover a lot faster. So through the first phase of my cycle, I tend to be doing like K reps, fartlek training, high intensity sessions. I'll be lifting quite heavy in the gym. Um, That is where I tend to get the most gains throughout my cycle. And then going in the back end of my cycle, the luteal phase where progesterone really rises and drops off into menstruation again, that's where I pull back the intensity of the training. So it's not necessarily saying don't train, like it's not, you're going to cut training completely but instead of doing that higher intensity stuff short fast reps short recoveries it's more doing like steady state work where I'll be going out and running like tempos at a marathon pace versus like trying to hit like five or 10k pace in training so you're still able to get the mileage in um, but focusing more on recovery and not pushing your heart rate to those peaks um, that's a really good time for that. And then in the gym, we just try to maybe pull back the weights a little bit, pull back the intensity um, and maybe pull back a bit more on the plyometric sort of work where your heart rate is rising. So that's kind of like how I train myself to my menstrual cycle and how I would train a lot of my athletes who do have a natural cycle. That's the way that we train to um, uh, to their cycles. But if you are someone who is on contraception or you do have hormonal irregularities because of hormonal health issues, that's when we need to lean a lot more into like, how do you actually feel on these days? Because we're going to adapt the training to your feeling, but feeling because you don't necessarily know where your hormones are at throughout your cycle. With Femi, do you offer services and resources for women to get educated about hormonal health and female physiology? Yeah, that's a a good question because we're actually in the development phase of creating our own education online course. So uh, we know there's a huge lack of education around female physiology, but 
that's not really going to solve too many issues when there's no resources to go through. There are some incredible physiologists around the world and a lot actually down in New Zealand who are working on female athletes and actually doing specific research into female athletes and how we actually train to our menstrual cycles. But we're, we've teamed up with... Um, We've got a team of medical experts for FEMI. So we have a FEMI doctor, a FEMI endocrinologist, she's an endocrinologist, a FEMI physiotherapist, and a dietitian who all work specifically in the women's health space. So those women are incredible and they've helped us pull together this 10 hour course where you come in, uh, it's all online, you work through the content at your own time, and you can learn way more about female physiology from like, the menstrual cycle and obviously understanding female hormones to learning more about relative energy deficiency syndrome which is the syndrome that happens when you lose your menstrual cycle um, to like polycystic ovarian syndrome endometriosis menopause prenatal postnatal um, and then it goes kind of from like the physiology of the female athlete into like the psychology so how you actually speak to women and how you actually build confidence in them, how you allow women to find their purpose and their identity away from sport so you can eliminate that pressure they feel to perform all the time. Um, even down to like how you have conversations about menstrual cycles for a lot of coaches and trainers, even speaking about periods can be really awkward because they're just so uneducated about the whole process. So how do you raise that conversation with your athlete about their menstrual cycle about, or about their body image? So the course has been designed to build coaches and trainers up specifically to feel more empowered in themselves, to work with women and empower the woman as well. Um, definitely women can do the course to learn more about themselves. But at this moment, the course that we've developed is really built for co coaches and trainers to be able to work with women better at the end of the day, we just want more women to stay in sport. The rate of young girls dropping out of sport is two times the rate of boys dropping out of sport. And we just know how powerful movement is. So we've developed the course so that coaches can embrace women and girls and make them feel comfortable and safe in the environment of the sporting arena. Uh, and then hopefully allow them to feel more engaged and wanting to stay in that sport that they're playing. Walk me through the process to become a FEMI athlete and also with the new education services you're offering soon, is there potential to become a FEMI coach? Yeah, so <laughs> at the moment we um, have uh, we have 10 coaches at FEMI. So we have 10 women who are mostly around Australia and New Zealand. We're actually interviewing for our first offshore coach in the next couple of days, which is really exciting. Um, but we've grown from when we first launched Femi, we had three coaches. Now we've got 10 coaches and three medical experts, which is awesome. Um, and we've got hundreds of athletes all around the world, which is so cool. Like it's just amazing to see these women you know join our community and put their trust in us to educate them and guide them to build a better relationship with their bodies and then help them perform better as athletes as well so for femi athletes we actually um, are at capacity we cannot take anyone else on at the moment but we have a wait list we've got a big wait list of women um, hence why we're trying to bring in more coaches uh, so the process is just signing up online on our website femi.co you can go and sign up to the wait list and join it and when we have spaces open 
everyone on the wait list will be the first woman we go out to um, to sign up as an athlete. Uh, and then once you sign up as an athlete, what we do is I will go through the registration form of each athlete and just find the right coach, the right fit for that um, for the athlete. So um, all of our coaches are very different in the way that they work and the way that they program and the way they have built relationships with the girls. So making sure you're um, teed up with the right coach is really important. Um, and then, yeah, we are definitely looking to find more Femi coaches. So that is the process. And I think part of the education piece that we've put together is going to allow us to educate more coaches to then have coaches who know what they're doing when it comes to working with a woman in their physiology. So that is definitely a solution to the problem we have in finding coaches. Um, but we're still on the hunt to find the right woman. At the end of the day, like if you're a runner and you've run for a long time, it's pretty easy to write a running program. So it's not the actual programming side of things that we are concerned about. Working with women is very unique and we are so particular about the coaches we bring in because building that relationship with your athletes is so important. Being able to build a relationship where your athlete feels really safe to have conversations they might not necessarily have with anybody else. Um, you know, and it might be about their training or about how they feel about their body or their hormones or their eating, the nutrition, how they feel about eating. Like there's things that a lot of women keep inside and they don't have anyone to go to. And when you sign up to Femi, yes, you're signing up for running programming, but a big part of it is a relationship you build with your coach to be able to have conversations that you need to be having. So um, yeah, we're getting there with building our coaching team, but we're pretty fussy. <laughs> You're expanding, offering new services and resources, building your team. That's really exciting. Yeah, it is. It's really exciting. I think when we started Femi, we kind of had no idea where it was going to go. But, um, you know, nearly two years into it now, and we're pretty excited for the future we're building. I think the community aspect of Femi is the most beautiful thing. And I'm sure you see it in the running community in New York all the time, like, we're a coaching company like we are like a one-on-one -on -one coaching company but there's so many women who are part of our community who aren't signed up as femi athletes and we love that like you don't have to be paying the subscription fee every month to feel be to feel like you're part of our community every woman that follows us on instagram or turns up to our community runs each week or you know has sort of listens to our podcast has any sort of engagement with us as part of our community and that's what excites us the most is like we definitely want to build the coaching side of things more, but we just want to build the overall community because there is just something so special about women supporting women and women empowering women. And I think we've grown, grown up in this patriarchal society that is dominated by men for so long. It's nice to have a space where women can go to feel heard and to feel seen. And we really want to break down those gender equality barriers to show you know women do have a space in a society and we want to be able to stand up and speak and you know the patriarchy doesn't work for men either like it's it's not something that's been built to support either gender or non-gendered people we as you know, a society, no matter what gender back bracket you fall into, should be doing work to break down that patriarchy because men's mental health is the worst it's ever been. You know, men are suffering because they feel this pressure where they have to be the breadwinner of the family or have a certain title or earn a certain amount of money and be ticking all these boxes to be masculine or to be a male, which is just so not true, you know. So if we can break down those 
equality barriers and show and give women some power it will also take the pressure off men and it will allow everybody to live a really like balanced healthy life so yeah we may come across as like these hardcore feminists that would like hate men haters but we are not at all we just want to see everybody thriving and I think it's important that women get that you know space in society to show that we are worthy to do the work that men are doing just as well as them we briefly touched base on physical health speaking of mental health how important is mental health to you and walk me through your holistic approach mm. Yeah, like mental health is actually something I've been so aware of for so long. And I look back to my teenage self and I'm actually really proud of some of the decisions I made at that time when I was really suffering with my mental health because I was so young. I would have probably just thought that I wouldn't have been aware of how much I needed to look after my mental health just as much as my physical health. So it's something I've always kind of been passionate about and helping other people with as well about uh, probably about seven years ago now, back in Auckland, I started a mental health run club called One Step, which was all about like inspiring people with anxiety and depression to come out and exercise. And it wasn't about how far we ran or how fast we ran. It was all about just like being there to support one another and feeling those, you know, benefits of moving our bodies. And uh, through that process, I met some incredible people, people who, who had been through some horrible trauma and challenges in their own lives and the fact they took that step to come out and run with us and start running um, and moving their bodies like I was just so inspired by them and and I think although we don't run the community runs anymore um, we ended up getting like 15 of them around the world which was amazing um, but it's just cool because all those people who were part of that community are now still out running and like joining other communities and inspiring other people to run as well so you know running for me is one of the most accessible tools that I have to look after my mental health and I've always known that and I think running is very similar to moving moving through like surfing or yoga and that like that repetitive motion of one foot in front of the other is just like this way you can fall into that meditative state and allow your mind to cleanse. Like I really feel it and believe it, that it's one of the most powerful things we can do for our mental health. And even through the movement, like aside from actually moving and getting blood flowing and endorphins rushing, like the community aspect of it all is huge. Like women, uh, people are built to connect to one another. You know, we need that connection. And through running and being a runner, you're able to meet like-minded people who have all come from different backgrounds. You know, we're all like come from different ethnicities and have earned different amounts of money and have different support networks or whatever. But we all come together and move and it's beautiful because everyone's on the same page. Like we don't care where you've come from or where you live or whatever. It's like, we're all there to run for ourselves and we're all there to run for each other. And that's really cool. And yeah, the mental stuff is awesome. And I think going back to my sister and watching her struggle through her mental health issues and that turning into addiction issues and seeing how unwell she is now still, I just can't help but think if I hadn't found sport and if I hadn't found running, if that would be me as well. And as unfortunate as to see her through it, there's not a lot I can do myself now, but I know that 
by moving my body and running, I'm doing something for myself to look after my mental health. And I really, yeah, urge people who are struggling with their mental health, um, whether it is depression or anxiety, and I know how tough it can be when you are in a really dark place to even have the energy to get outside. But five minutes a day, like start with five minutes a day, just go out and move your body. And it doesn't have to be running. You could be run walking. You could just be walking. You could just be doing a yoga flow, whatever that might look like for you. Um, it, it does help, you know, and it's like time after time getting that consistency in. Um, it's amazing how much you can change and you can grow and how much you can start believing in yourself um, if you get that consistency of getting out each day. Has movement, exercise, and running a part of your daily routine helped with your mental health? Yeah, definitely. Like it always has been. I've always kind of had running there. And I know I've always known like if I get up every morning and go out and run, no matter if it's half an hour or two hours, like that's going to be the best start to my day. It's going to put my mental health in a really good position. And saying that it's not the only answer to like looking after your mental health. Like I've definitely been through periods, even when I am training where I've like fallen back into positions of um, struggling mentally. And so other things I guess that I do to do look after my health is just like journaling. Like I'm very big on journaling and writing things down, um, like healing in my body through nutrition and eating good food and plenty of sleep. Like I know how much I need sleep when I am struggling mentally um, but I've also recently been working with a psychologist and just working through issues with her and like going right back to my childhood and working through like childhood traumas and how that's affected me or even turned me into the person I am today. Like I've really benefited off that. And the psychologist that I work with is a spiritual psychologist. So she kind of connects like the spiritual world to the psychology world. And it's awesome because I think um, if I was to see like a really clinical psychologist, I'd probably be quite closed off to the idea because I have the spiritual side to me. So it's nice to be able to kind of bring the two together and understand, you know, both ways the world works and both ways the mind works and the brain works. And um, yeah, I think that's definitely helped, but I think without running, I don't know where I would be like running is definitely like that ingrained tool that I use every day to make myself feel better. Two more questions for you and then we can wrap this up what do you love most about running it's so cliche but I honestly think the way that it has built confidence in who I am I think I am a pretty confident woman and I think people can see that and I think to some maybe that's intimidating <laughs> but um I honestly think that running has allowed me to feel confident in who I am because because it, you know, running is one of those things you see the achievement every time you go out for a run, if you're tracking your run, you can see how far you run. And like, that just gives you the sense of satisfaction. And that's like, yeah, I did that. Like I did that myself, you know, and I don't, it doesn't matter what I look like or what size my legs are or what size this, whatever, like all this pressure I found in the past to look a certain way, it gets completely lost when you just go out for a run because you're doing something that you it all comes down to you and your legs and your mind and your body. And um, that builds confidence. And I think that's what I love most about what running has done for me is that confidence it's built in who I am as a person. I love that. Last question for you. Speaking of you and who you are today, what's next? It sounds like you have a lot on the horizon with Femi, 
Congratulations. That's super exciting. You as an athlete, as a coach, as a person, what's next? What are you currently working towards? I just want to fulfill my purpose. I think like finding your purpose can be really tough, but I think through all of my life and all the challenges and the journey that I've been through, I've been able to get to a place where like my purpose is to empower women to feel really confident in themselves. And that's what I want to do. And the running and my achievements as a runner, like obviously I want to chase these races and marathons and run fast, but it's, I'm not doing that to like put myself on a pedestal and be like, look how amazing I am. I'm literally doing that so I can create a voice for myself to empower other people. And I just want to keep chasing that. So for us, I think I say us because we have this like army of women at Femi and all of us are on the same journey to empower one another and to power other women. And that's what I want to do. Like that will always be my goal and my focus is to how how much impact can I have on other women to feel good in themselves and in their bodies and yet break down those gender equality barriers to give women the opportunity that men have always had. So that's what we're going to continue to do. Well, it sounds like you're on the right path to fulfilling your purpose, like you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, where you're supposed to be doing it. Thank you. I'll sign off here. Stay tuned. More to come. As always, stay for the stories.